Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to the Raw Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dudley Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamflet and Michael Sidwick, here to review everything that happened on last night's episode of Monday Night Raw. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review Raw and SmackDown, but also NXT, AW Dynamite, AW Rampage, pay-per-views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Hamlet and Sidgwick to review a very eventful episode of Monday Night Raw. And we should probably start with an apology from both of you to me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he cashed in. He cashed in. I mean, we should give a bit of context to this because yesterday on the preview, I'll admit, I said this to you before we even came here to record, I said, Sid, I'm just going to write this bullet point at the end. Please don't call me out on it, basically. I'm going to write a very hyperbolic thing about, oh, is Big E, e going to cash in? Because he vaguely mentioned it on SmackDown, and this is a title match, and that actually would make sense. But at the time, he hadn't tweeted. And then, luckily for us, for once, for the first time you were ever... One. You were due one, were yeah, you? <laughs> we previewed something, and then they teased it on social media after we'd recorded it. So literally about an hour after that podcast went out, Big E tweeted, I'm going to cash in tonight. And everyone, because it's probably because it's Big E and all the circumstances with the dynamite rating and the return of Monday Night Football, everyone kind of took that on his word, basically. If I hadn't already multiple times acknowledged you as the head of Get the Table, I would (laughs) today. Yes, you earned this one. Um, Should we just talk about this now? Because I know we're going to touch on it at the end. It's a mid-roll ad to get through... (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point, actually. Yeah, we've got to think. Like, they thought about it for content purposes and desperation numbers, so we need to as well. We've got to to use this. Switch (laughs) on. But it was, uh, to briefly touch on it, a a fantastic, one of the best moments on Monday Night Raw in in recent memory. Just skip, wait till the end. Okay. (laughs) Skip, skip. That's the first time we skip on Raw. Before that, we had two and a half hours of Monday Night Raw. Skip, okay. (laughs) Uh, Right, well, let's start at the beginning of the show. We'll get to it in due course. Yeah. Uh, uh, Big E, of course, came out to start the show. Um, they talked about his tweet and the fact he called his shot to cash in money in the bank that night. I have to admit, just before I went to sleep, I had that brief panic of like, oh, and when they cashed in with Damien Sand now to try and beat the ratings. Oh, anyway, um, out come Orton and Riddle before they can even do anything. Bobby Lashley and MVP come out. Um, and yeah, Big E said... To the to the Boston Bostonian audience, yeah, he fully intended on cashing in tonight. And uh, Riddle said, "Please don't cash in on my friend Randy." <laughs> shut up, <laughs> shut up, shut up, and hopefully also die. Um, 
That's quite quite close to what MVP said. Man, <laughs> shut your dumb ass up was how he responded to that from Riddle. Uh, he said, "Look, that won't be an issue on on Biggie cashing in on Orton because Riddle Randy wasn't going to be winning the title tonight." He said, "Normally, I'm happy to see you, Biggie. We can all laugh at your stupid antics like everyone else, but I'm not happy tonight because, quite rightly, as we previewed." They were meant to be getting a tag title match tonight. What was tag team turmoil all about last week? But Orton had politicked his way into getting a WWE title match instead of at Extreme Rules. Orton winked at the crowd. He said it's been 14 years since he fought last year. He didn't want to wait two more weeks. I know you're WWE beating him in the ratings. Um, no politicking involved. He simply asked for the match, match and it was accepted because he's Randy freaking Orton. Because he's Randy Orton. <laughs> <laughs> he got it on a handshake deal. Uh, <laughs> Biggie was very excited, obviously, for the two of them to go at it. But MVP called him a clown. He said, um, "He said of all the clowns in the New Day, though, I thought you would be the one to win the world title. But you ran uh, from from uh, SmackDown to Raw because you're afraid of Roman Reigns and you're afraid of Brock Lesnar and Lashley. They're going, yeah, I'm not afraid of them." Uh, Orton said, never mind all this bollocks. Focus on me. All it's going to take is one RKO, and I'll become the new champion. And Biggie went, yep, yeah, but when you do that, I will cash in on you immediately. Um, Lashley told Orton he would get pummeled tonight, and he was going to shove the briefcase and the contract of Biggie's. Yes! And um, whilst those two are arguing, Biggie and Lashley, that is, Randy Orton RKO's him. A thrilling start to Monday Night Raw, Hamlet. Yeah, like mixed feelings on all of this. This was what we criticise most weeks, which is just a series of interviews, more ponderous than it needs to be, you know, to, to kick off a wrestling show that theoretically should have had a booked opener before this point. Um, but there was a few details to like. Uh, I always like it, especially when it's a heel saying it, not a fellow babyface, when a heel underestimates what the New Day can do and uses terms like clowns or fools or things like that because we've seen enough over the years of what the New Day do when they're focused and when they need to, when they need to be these wrestling machines, they can. And I like that. I just It's a plot point they revisit sometimes, and I always really enjoy it, especially here where Big E has said he's going to do a thing on Twitter and then comes out in front of a live crowd and repeats it. He's being forthright and broadly honourable. That would change later in the night. But like <laughs> on paper, all of this is exactly the way like a babyface should act when the fun's about to stop and it's time to get serious. So I like the balance they struck with that. And again, like to tease kind of what's going to happen later on in the night, this was a really hot crowd that in spite of the desperation that motivated it, in spite of the obvious real-life choices that were being made by WWE to drive all this, like fans were bang on board. There was a real energy to mm. this. And that, to me, separates this from most of the promo trains. Is that, And I've been in crowds for these roles before where this is so formulaic, you were sitting there waiting for the next person's music, or you were sitting there waiting for an authority figure to make it a match, or whatever it is, or for them to get the gear off, because after the commercial break, they're going to have this match. Um, that wasn't there, because this tweet and this last-minute idea um, did create a vibe, and did create a buzz, and did create an engine. I kinda, actually, I think that bought them it for the whole show. Mm. I thought this crowd were pretty strong throughout, yeah. but they were definitely into this, and that'll carry a long way, especially so close, like, so close to the Thunderdome era, which we still are. Like That carries a lot, I think. They leveraged how universally liked Big E is to get away with every single rotten trope and <laughs> yeah. book every single wretched, wildly chaotic story beat. Like the idea was they wanted to get to Orton versus Lashley because they wanted to own the AEW sexuals. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And incidentally, by the way, 
all the belly aching of people with an absolutely reprehensibly ignorant knowledge of the television industry, if the demos weren't the most important thing, if the demo isn't what drives the TV and advertising industries to select programming and to pay exorbitant fees for it based on the demographic numbers, you would not have got this episode of Raw last night. Mm, in the words if of they Alistair Overeem, why? If they legitimately thought, oh, well, an overall viewership win again, great. They wouldn't have booked this Raw. The demo matters. This show by WWE should train you to know that the demo matters. Like Randy Orton, in a stupid bid to, like, hand wave away Vince McMahon's asinine desperation booking, basically just said, I'm Randy Orton, therefore I can just do what I want. Yeah, the company's inept then. Is that what you're saying, Randy? The company's completely inept. The company's inept. It is under the sway of the few people who are either draws or are, you know, somewhat established legendary figures. I have to caveat it with Orton because it's Orton. <laughs> But in doing so, they proved that nothing matters. Randy Orton basically said in storylines, oh, I politic my way to get a match. And it's just like, oh, I'm going to cheer for you then in the main event against <laughs> the baddie Bobby Lashley. Love it when they try and have the reality crash into the fiction. It's like when Seth Rollins is like, the ratings are in the toilet and it's your fault, Baron Corbin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> so, yeah. It's just rubbish, man. It's absolutely rubbish, but Biggie's so universally like that they got away with a rubbish show. That's basically what's happened here. Uh, time to bring the crowd down. So he got MVP's back. delivery was great. Yes. Always yeah, again. Is. It was so good. Uh, time to bring the crowd down. So we went backstage for Charlotte Flair to talk some bollocks before her match. <laughs> uh, she said that she didn't get to the top with friends or partners, uh, and Shayna Baszler would never get there while being head- held down by dead Wait. Um, Charlotte called herself the best. She said the ring was her throne. A reign's going to last forever. Long live the queen. Uh, and then there's a video from earlier on with Shayna Baszler playing with a deck of cards because <laughs> cards do. <laughs> uh, Nia Jax confronts her about what happened last week. And uh, she said, I just did what you've been doing to me. Uh, Jax got a bit confused and said, you know what? Let's get on the same page. Cool, we'll see how long that lasts. Uh, then we got Charlotte Flair versus Shayna Baszler. Uh, again, non-title, but one of those weird, what do they call it? Championship contender matches, which is never explicitly said that if someone wins, they automatically get a championship shot. It's just like, are you good enough to face the champion? No, according to this, <laughs> apparently. Um, they immediately go to break after Charlotte dives onto Baszler on the outside very quickly. Uh, Baszler h- hits back as we come back with some awesome, rough-looking German suplexes. Look... It was, like, a lot better than what we saw the previous week. It was the right side of, like, oh, that was her almost hand landing on her neck. She hits her with a suplex. Yeah, she hits her with a knee strike, kicks, punches. Charlotte fights back. Charlotte eventually hits that amazing moonsault to the outside uh, to a huge path. That brings Nia Jax out. Uh, that whole distraction allows Shayna Baszler to recover and hoy Charlotte into this steel steps. Um, and then the finish sees Charlotte uh, chop-blocking um, Shayna Baszler she wraps her leg up in the ropes and uses the full count for that again who's the baby face who am I meant to be cheering for here uh, Charlotte goes to the outside taunts Nia Jax gets back in the ring that allows Baszler to recover she hits Charlotte Flair with a knee strike Jax jumps up on the apron 
Shayna Baszler just turns to look to look at her, turns back straight into a big boot uh, by Charlotte. One, two, three. Charlotte defeats Shayna Baszler. And finally, I think, Sige, because they're advertised to fight next week, this is the end of whatever this was with Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler, despite the fact I thought it ended about six months ago. I mean, they could have worked the best match ever. And it was all right. But it doesn't matter. It's all pretext to the worst booking imaginable that makes everyone look like a complete and utter tit. How can you invest in the action when you know the angle's coming? And how can you invest in the action when the angle makes everyone involved look like a total idiot? The contempt for my investment is an insult. And I don't really want to review the work when it is being rendered so meaningless. Because it's not the work, is it? The work is the art of the wrestling. You're supposed to feel things. The live crowd, as we've just talked about, that was responding to one thing is suddenly not responding to something. The physicality was good in this match at points because Charlotte Flair has that knack, and I'm assuming it's down to trust, perhaps. When she's in there with somebody that there's a lot of trust, they'll just go. And we saw that with Rhea Ripley, and we've seen that in other Charlotte Flair matches. We saw an accidental glimpse of it with Nia Jax, but when they tried to replicate it, it, it didn't really work. But there's like a, a slight edge when like Charlotte Flair is permitted to get physical with people. And I think we got elements of that here. Mm. But I think your point about the characterization is really important. And it's a constant problem with Charlotte Flair matches. Not so much at the pay-per-views, but certainly on television. Are we supposed to root for her or be against her? What is this queen character? We still don't really know. Shayna Baszler trapped in a boring tag team. Um, yeah, it was, it was it was like physicality that stopped being impressive because it's within the realms of a thing that's like some theatre that's supposed to entertain you, and there was no thought put into the theatrical side of it. I, c I couldn't get anything out of the two people that were objectively working quite hard to, like, assemble something. Yeah, just, uh, it's like Nia versus Charlotte last couple of weeks, who, who am I cheering for? And then this week, Charlotte versus Shayna, who am I cheering for? And then next week, I mean, I, I'm always going to cheer for Shayna Baszler, but should I be? Like, in theory, they're sort of 50-50 screwing each other, basically. They worked really hard at something, and they put their bodies through something. I would rather see them work together and build, like, a very difficult IKEA flat pack. Because at least you know <laughs> the end objective, and at least you can, like, cheer for the end goal. And you're like, wow, like, you've really hurt yourselves. you really put your back out lifting that big piece of, like, MDF or whatever mm -hmm. it is. But just like, look at the outcome. Like, this is what we were all working towards. That would make sense. <laughs> like, that would be justified physicality. I've got none of that here. Anyway, post-match, out comes Alexa Bliss. She's got Lily, and she's got a present for Charlotte. Uh, she says it's a thank you for accepting her title challenge. The two will go head-to-head, -head, of course, at Extreme Rules. Uh, Charlotte says, I don't collect gifts. I collect championships. Uh, there was a cha championship. Collector. I heard that. <laughs> in the nobody else. Uh, and Bliss went, stop taking yourself so bloody seriously. <laughs> Take the gift. Uh um, the crowd are actually quite behind this. They want Charlotte to accept it. She says no. It's the box. The box. <laughs> <laughs> Anything that comes out of a box gets over. The mystery. Uh, apart from this. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's a yes, no back and forth that leads to a yes chance. So I guess Alexa Bliss owns that now. Um, and she accepts the gift. She goes, oh, the box isn't ticking. Phew. Uh, crowd chants, open it. And she does. And it is a Lily doll dressed as Charlotte, and Bliss says its name is... Charlie. So thank you. <laughs> I know what you're thinking, because when I said Lily normally, Hamlet's face got all confused then. Like, he didn't do the thing. 
He's always got a thing. He's, he's, got always, a thing. he's, he's always, always got a thing. Got a thing. <laughs> <laughs> Big E Cashin, it's his day. It's, it's, it's Will Bond's day. Uh, Bliss said, even a narcissistic bitch <laughs> like Charlotte deserved a friend. Uh, she said she didn't want the doll. She chucks it at Bliss. They go back and forth, and Bliss attacks her and gives her a what, destroyer code red? Well, one of the two. It's code red. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, and uh, she stands, o- stands over her, uh, her, Charlotte rolls to the outside, and uh, Bliss grabs Lily and the title and holds it high in the air. Any development for you in terms of intrigue for this title match in uh, a week on Sunday? No. Alexa's delivery of narcissistic bitch got a pop. Mm. It was quite well delivered as a line. you know. The- Especially by a 10-year-old. Well, that's what she's meant to be, isn't she? <laughs> Where'd you learn that? You know, like the whole juxtaposition of, you know, the butter wouldn't melt, mm. 10-year-old girl saying the word bitch. She delivered it quite well. She mm. can act to a degree. Like, <laughs> everyone's like, oh, that's should be getting an Oscar. And I know. She could get a gig on, like, a daytime soap, like. Mm. <laughs> she wanted one. On Doctors. You got Alexa Bliss on Doctors. <laughs> doctors, honestly, like, could that be the most drab television program of all time? Yeah, because it's yeah. not, it's like, whoa, pump the brakes on, like, Casualty or Holby City. They're like, what if someone grazed their knees? They've <laughs> not got, like, a blood budget or anything. No, so you're, you're in the hospital and they can't have any sort What's of that? It's all internal. Oh, thank goodness for that. <laughs> it's Casualty, but they just focused in the admin department, so yeah. there's, like, a lot of paperwork. Yeah. What are we talking about? <laughs> Charlie the doll. What? Like, this is far from the stupidest question I've ever asked in this podcast, but, like, has the doll got powers? Because Shana sold them. Uh, Eva Marie tried to no sell him and then suffered the consequences. Charlotte doesn't give a... Like, no one cares about Lily. Shayna Baszler and Lily went (laughs) 50-50. Eva Marie slapped the piss out of Lily's mouth to no comeuppance. Like, Lily is uh, in the doghouse. So... We're going to get another odd couple tag team of Lily and Charlie. <laughs> Vince, like, one day was like, order me three million Lily dolls. And then he wakes up the next day. I hate that stupid doll. So like, what do we do with three million dolls? Put a blonde wig on it. Yeah. Sell them as Charlie dolls. I love it. <laughs> but that like, is the bloody Floridian thing that we were talking about yeah. a while back. I don't know. I think we'd have to shut up shop. We're not selling any any per- perfectly ripe tomatoes. The goo's run out. Like, I think I think they're gonna, we're going to foreclose on that. Bling. Hey, pal, you got any blonde dolls? But if you look at Lily's booking, and if you want to take Lily seriously, <laughs> if you want to take... Wait, Lily, wait, wait, say this for the Get the Table, we're going to be doing Lily at the weekend. If you take Lily seriously as a character, and she's on the show more than Angel Garza, yeah. so you probably should, she killed Shayna Baszler, or tried to kill her, and Shayna Baszler survived without a scratch and just didn't bother taking her seriously as a threat to get the comeuppance. Like, even Marie slapped the taste out of her mouth. And she didn't care. She didn't go after even <laughs> aftermath. Like Lily is in the doghouse, and Lily needs to get sent to the Heartland Wrestling Association for conditioning, and she needs to move forward with her left foot. <laughs> I can't wait for the uh, Jericho podcast when she's all elite. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Uh, we find out that it's confirmed. The draft is coming. Uh, SmackDown October first. I hope Raw. Roman Reigns goes to Raw. It'd be so funny. <laughs> <laughs> Went to, oh, this is before the Saudi show, isn't it? Because that's a thing, isn't it? That is their thing. Yeah. Hey, hey, SmackDown rules. SmackDown's Bill Watts Mid-South. And then he hope he goes to Raw. It's like, oh, well, I've got nothing left now. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well stop going on Twitter and being an arsehole. <laughs> um, yes, so they're going to be going on, as I said, October 1st for SmackDown on October 4th. Samoa Joe's like, close that forbidden door, there's a draft. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, right, and then we got Drew McIntyre and the Viking Raiders versus Shanky and Veer. Their genders, heavies, and gender as well. He was wrestling; it was a trios match, although it wasn't really. Because, no, because it's a six. It's a six way. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was, and it was uh, also the fact that it was basically just Drew. I love Eric and Ivor, but it was basically just Drew. They they jumped Drew before the match. Then Eric and Ivor run down to make the save, and then in the match, it's. I mean, from my memory of the two and a half minutes bleary-eyed staring at this morning, he just battered all of them. Belly to belly to Veer, spine buster to Jinder. In comes uh, Shanky, Mishinoku driver. Claymore countdown, one, two, three, boom, Claymore. That's it. There you go. I mean, this is done now, isn't it, Hamflet? It was done a few weeks ago. Hmm. Yeah, it was done at SummerSlam, wasn't it? Um, Drew's done. There's two things left for Drew McIntyre to do um, in the near future. One is to ask earnestly Big E for a title match to get one. Oh yeah. To lose and then to go to SmackDown. Like this was this never this felt like the beginning of Drew's raw right off. It's after that is it's WWE, but like a raw write off. Um you're gonna see him in a blue shirt Survivor series fighting for the brand. <laughs> At least it's gonna match like the Scottish flag a bit more. But yeah, that to me there only seems to be two things left for Drew. You might as well get the best out of him in one match against Big E and then on his way. It's just it's bad enough. But like, we used to kind of half accept it back in the day when, like, the NXT to Raw or SmackDown deal used to happen, and they were like, new again a bit. Like, you, you knew what they did. You saw what they did. That's what got them over. But, you, you know, someone going from, like, Raw to SmackDown, like, it's a territory. Mm. And doing some jobs on the way out before you move on to, like, get the star of the territory over, and then you can go to, like, the Carolinas. <laughs> new, without the stigma of being a loser because nobody saw it. They're both on national television, Ridiculous! Oh, blue rope. I'm new again. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take dibs on blue McIntyre before WB made the graphic <laughs> and the shirt. Uh, then we get Biggie in the back with Kofi and Xavier. Oh, oh I've missed three, these three together. Uh, Woods is really excited for his cash in. Uh, Biggie says oh, it's going to be happening in your hometown, Kofi. Uh, ask Kofi for advice. It's a good job it isn't Kofi's hometown. They don't cash in tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Um, he says, uh, asks Kofi for advice, and Kofi says, look, you, you've got everything it takes. You don't need my advice. Uh, but Wood says, you do look a little bit tense. Maybe you've got to relax a little, and we get a bit of, hey, we want some new day, a bit of dancing. Just just a bit of lightness to this show, but not too far. Just this, this is the perfect balance you're often talking about, Sige. People having a genuinely nice time with their jobs. <laughs> 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 because they're going to get something that is old to them and was for several years. Mm-hmm. Weirdly enough, this bleeds through the screen because you can feel it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's an odd way to do things in WWE, but it works. Imagine the product being relatable. You know, like just yeah. something that most people can identify with elements of. Just, just try. Imagine it being a meritocracy with a little bit of continuity. <laughs> It'll never happen. Uh, we find out that Reginald has scored 80 million views on TikTok flipping into the ring. We're all too old on this podcast to know if that's a thing or not, but then they show us Reginald walking about in the back and dodging all the 24-7 lot. Cedric Alexander, no Jeff Hardy, no Jeff Hardy, he's not there anymore. Uh, and he uh, escapes, and Akira Tazara and R-Truth confront Drake Maverick, saying that your plan didn't work, and Drake says wasn't the plan, it was the execution. And Truth and Akira Tazara, <laughs> they do some silly stuff blaming each other. <laughs> 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 what is it about the 24-7 title? Rubbish. The very occasion. 
that very occasionally draws like the biggest numbers WWE get. Like R Truth rolls up Jinder Mahal on a golf course and then it's like hundred gazillion viewers. This spells <laughs> the most important thing in the company, and now it's like smashing TikTok. I don't like. There's a lot of things I don't get about wrestling in WWE anymore. This is one of them. Like I know what I like about the stuff Reggie does, and I'm glad they take him out of like like do outside broadcasts with him all the time. It's far more interesting than having to defend the belt in the ring or like sanctioned matches before the bell rings. When the 24/7 Championship rule is pulled, well, the entirety of this match. It's not 23/6. <laughs> what is it that people see once every year and a half of this thing? Right, it's like like you're not sharing it with your mates. Like that's how these things grow. And who's thinking? Like, I've shared a few wrestling things with my non-wrestling friends lately that are Laps fans. Guess which company it's from? It's not this one. I'm not <laughs> like, Got to get the Reggie video in the WhatsApp group. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Right, we got a US Championship match next. I swore, I swear they said this was going to be an open challenge, but no, they opened the show and they Jedi mind tricked us saying, as we've always said, it's <laughs> Damien Priest versus Jeff Hardy. Uh, and Damien Priest, because he's like, we keep saying Teflon to this, actually sells it really well. He says that he's going to do something tonight he's always wanted to do, face someone he truly admires in Jeff Hardy. Uh, he's, of course, going to be defending the title against Sheamus as well at Extreme Rules. So Sheamus comes down to do commentary. Uh, and, and these two have a really enjoyable back and forth little match. Priest uh, does that bonkers thing where he's like stood on the ropes with like one of his foot on the second rope. And Idiotic move. Flips out <laughs> onto Jeff Hardy. Uh, sort of George acts with Sheamus who removes the headset and, and, and goes up against him there. Uh, later on, uh, Jeff is up, up on the top rope. Priest gets behind him, boxes his ears, goes for a back suplex. But Jeff turns in midair uh, and hits a modified crossbody. Look like he landed on his throat for a split second, but they're all they're all fine by the looks of things. Priest comes back, spinning heel kick for a two, leg lariat for a two. Uh, Hardy cradles him for a near fall. And then as Hardy's setting up for a twist of fate, Damian Priest suddenly reverses, hits reckoning, one, two, three. He doesn't even have time to celebrate, though, because in comes Sheamus attacking both men. Both men. Sheamus takes out Hardy, but turns around into a bro kick 
by Damien Priest. What did you think, Sige? Very little. Jeff Hardy was chasing the 24-7 title last week, and now I'm expected to take him seriously in a competitive back-and-forth match when the actual real match is being built on commentary. How could I possibly take every dramatic beat of this, or any of them, in fact, seriously? Is Jeff Hardy someone who can beat Karrion Cross or lose to him in a minute, or credibly contend for a mid-card title, or just join the pack for the 24-7 comedy belt? That isn't defended 24-7, it's 23-6, <laughs> because they have sanctioned matches for it. Like, wh- how on earth am I meant to care? I don't know why I'm raising my voice. I, I'm watching this, and I was going, like, just dead behind the eyes. I'm not goldfish. When I'm watching this, I'm a shark. I'm just dead behind the eyes, uncaring. I've not been given any reason to take any of this seriously. You were nice. You were euphemistic, in fact, Wilborn, in your appraisal of the match. It's a good job he was doing that weirdly convoluted, tentative move against Jeff Hardy, because Jeff Hardy's washed. And he just struggled on the ropes to Damien Priest. I'm thinking, he's going to fall over here. Better be worth what he's going to do, otherwise he's putting himself in a vulnerable position, which was really quite pointless. He does some weird body scissors that the commentary team can't call. Oh, well, well, well. It's soup brain stuff. <laughs> that I have to somehow eat through a straw. <laughs> what am I doing that for? I could just not pay attention, or in fact, I could not watch. I, well, I'm watching Jeff Hardy go 11 minutes. Why? It's, I just think it's appropriate that both Hardys get this treatment in a week of our podcast. I'm, I'm the same. Yeah, like the, the match was nothing. So many of these matches are nothing. I'm, I try and find something that praise about Damien Priest when I can, because there's something about him that I like, and I can't figure out what it is. Probably because we're a similar age. Um, <laughs> like, uh, And on that, by the way, I could do without a near 40-year-old man being directed. And it was a direction. And I know he's a baby face, and that's what they were trying to get across. But it, on both when Jeff Hardy was entering, and then just before the Sheamus attack, the one thing Priest was allowed to do wasn't to be like, I'm class, I'm in the form of my life, and I've just defeated a legend. It was... Oh my God, I'd be Jeff Hardy. Like his one face that he was given, permitted to pull before Seamus comes in for the attack is, I can't believe I've just done that. How am I? Like, like give some backbone back to your baby faces. It can't all be hero worship stuff. Even Bianca Belair at this point has owned that she was a bit starstruck and she shouldn't have been at SummerSlam. That's become a storyline beat mm. with one case of that. Don't do it with, like, don't do it with a, a bland mid-card time filler on Raw. So unnecessary. Like, I... Jeff Hardy is great. That's all it ever needs to be. You do not need wrestlers like asking. We need them to be booked in a credible fashion for something like this to work. Of course, need more. I, but so he's been on main event most of the year. But don't have him like holding his eight by ten in a sharpie before they lock up. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the thing. No, no, no I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. But like, you can't even like, even if Jeff Hardy had been like built steadily and with great attention as this living legend figure, a win over whom counts. Even then, if you do the, oh, my God, did I just beat Jeff Hardy? Like, that's still a bit lame. But the lad's been on main event Mm. for most of the year. The guy's been getting slept by Karrion Cross. Karrion Cross Within a minute? Oh, my God, I just beat this guy who selectively the fans are just meant to care about, like an on-off switch. I mean, they do care about Jeff Hardy, so this stuff kind of works to the audience, but not to me. I'm not a goldfish. (laughs) There are two ways to do it. You either mark out because you beat Jeff Hardy, or you do a Triple H and shrug when you lose. Yeah, nah. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Every dog has his deer. 
Hey, you probably shouldn't be. Give it a week to take the piss out of Triple H. <laughs> I hope his real life health improves so that we can then, so that we can get back to talking about who's a despicable pro wrestler. <laughs> Uh, right, uh, there's Rhea Ripley and Nikki A.S.H. backstage. There's a time and a place, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Nikki, uh, don't stop. The room to make a joke might pass you by. Uh. <laughs> Nikki says they should work on their very own victory celebration. And Ripley's like, maybe I should probably focus on, you know, finding one of the one after the tag team champions. Uh, in comes Natalia and Tamina, and Natalia so says, "You bunch of freaks." <laughs> <laughs> they have an argument a fight breaks out Sonya Deville breaks them all up and uh, Sonya Deville books a match between Tamina and Nikki AHS I don't know who that is <laughs> what? yeah I, you missed this she just called her Nikki AHS American Horror Story <laughs> but I'm not going to have a go because I like Sonya Deville and she was trying to separate them and eh, whatever uh, there was the announcing of the signing of Gable Stevenson and then uh, we are also backstage with Orton and a Riddle, a Riddle's doing some comedy bollocks about what how he's going to hold two belts. Where's he going to put the, the WWE Championship? We've done the gimmick with the, the tag championship over this shoulder, so what are you going to do? He's really annoying, Randy. Randy's got to prepare for a world title he's match. He's really annoying who? Randy. And, uh, was, it like a, was it a cell phone, or was this on put? Matt Riddle, the man who wears a belt around his neck, was asking Randy Orton where he could wear his second title. <laughs> was that like, were they aware of that or not? Was that like, I sp- think so. Was he being self-aware or not? I think so. Okay, all right. Uh, Orton puts on his headphones. In comes Big E. Uh, Orton gets up to him and Big E tells him not to worry. He's just going to be watching the title back match very closely and uh, wanders off and Riddle keeps talking some bollocks and Randy keeps preparing. And then we get Nikki A.S.H. versus Tamina. Uh, the story of this match... Well, it doesn't really matter because I'll tell you about the finish and what happened afterwards. The story was, obviously, Tamina just dominates Nikki, batters her from pillar to post, and then all of a sudden, Nikki hits a tornado DDT. One, two, three? Question mark? Almost a three count. Yeah, Tamina (laughs) throws up her shoulder in and around the time the referee counts to three. Hey, what a worker. So you so you think maybe... <laughs> it's the only time anyone's ever said that. <laughs> yeah. You think maybe... You think maybe she is meant to kick out or forgets to kick out or the referee misses the kick out. And then they announce the winner of this match, Tamina! And her music plays. Where's WWE botches? Huh? Yeah. Where's the Twitter account for this? Where is it? Uh, post-match and telling Tamina lay both uh, Rhea and Nikki out but yeah what did you think of whatever this botch was I think my thoughts were where's WWE botches have you ever seen anything this amateurish on AEW television the end of the Barbire deathmatch because it was that level of calamity that's what we're dealing with we're dealing, well, with, a, we're dealing with a pro wrestling calamity a production snafu that embarrasses the people involved that's and like and that's a one-off, you know what I mean? That's like the rule-proven exception. And they acknowledged it and then tried to write a story yeah, around it, whereas this will just be like, yep, she got a pimple. It pisses me off. Our standards are below the floor, so we don't care. Like, <laughs> it'll just be... And that's basically an accurate summation of my match, of the match, for me. I can't know else. This was a mess. This is a complete and utter mess. Total mess. Like, Tamina sucks. And she's getting a push because Tyson Kidd's in a position of power. <laughs> and... They're all the, the champions are losers. Like it's, it's Vince McMahon is like his head's gone. His head's gone. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm expected to like earnestly analyze it. I'm expected 
as Hamlet and I are hating at the moment. Great time to be a WWE fan. Is it? Because you get <laughs> rubbish it, like man. this. God damn it. Aye. Aye. I don't, uh, Come on, guys. Wrestling's the real winner. No, no it's not. AEW is. Oh, <laughs> you watch George Raw every week. Do you watch every single minute of this in three-hour show? Because I don't feel like much of a winner on a Tuesday morning, pal. Like, nah, I, I won't have it. I will not have it. Like, it might be the winner this week because it's NXT tonight. And if you, or, oh, I'm like, so excited. Like, oh. new, new champions wrestling on a trampoline that's luminous yellow. Great. But, like, it, most weeks, wrestling's not the winner. <laughs> well, uh, that was followed uh, by Rhea Ripley versus Natalia. Skip. Oh, thank goodness. Can't take any more of this. Uh, Ripley tapped out. Skip. Standing globally. <laughs> that's all I want to say. Okay. You can read the recap on, on the website. Okay, fair enough. Uh, right. Go, go to whatculture.com. There's ups and downs every week. Find that. There you go. Enough of all that. It's now time for this. It's short. It's crap. It's wrestling related. The five star review review. Nailed it. And this week's five-star review review, a late change, thank you to Michael Hamlet for pointing this one out, comes to you from Sam Long, who tweeted us just a couple of hours ago. Uh, it is Sam's 21st birthday today. Thank you, Sam. Uh, Savor your... that, mate. Honestly, <laughs> savour these days, because you think they'll last forever, and you'll look back and you'll just miss it all so much. Like, 21's class. 21's a great year, but rarely is it a great night. 18s and 21s. 21st. Your 19th birthday rules, doesn't it? Yeah. Every, everything's working at that point. Like, it's just the best. It's all downhill from it. 18th or uphill, and 21st. <laughs> like, your mates, it's, I don't know if it's the same over in America, but in the United Kingdom, it's just like a race to get you too pissed and to irritate <laughs> yeah. yourself. I've been like, I, on my 21st birthday, I had my head in the toilet at 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> hey, let's get them 10 shots of tequila. <laughs> you, have, you have to drink it. You like, do it. I think your 18th as well has lost a little bit of novelty because it's the first time you know you're definitely going to get served. Like, you know that, like, energy about getting underage drinking, like, mm. before you turn it, and then you get the idea, and it's like, oh, the magic's gone out of this, out of this <laughs> a little bit. So that's why you drink more. I think that's why you hammer the shots. Cause you feel like top you shelf from 18. Uh, it's 10 shots of tequila on my 21st. It's just a bad time, so good luck, Sam. Happy, happy birthday, Happy Sam. 21st birthday. Don't ruin the night, and tomorrow it only gets worse. Yeah. So, oh, the guilt. Oh, that my God, re- the guilt. That when we review NXT, is that what <laughs> Uh, but thank no, you. Nobody who's 21 is going to be watching that next time. <laughs> yeah, basically for children and pensioners at this point. <laughs> just both ends of the spectrum. Uh, anyway, Sam, thank you for your support. And the yes. Alexis and the groomers alike. <laughs> <laughs> Happy 21st birthday from myself and Dadly Boys. All of us here at What Culture. Sam says, Can I get a shout out on the news or the raw review? Take it as a five star review review, leaving it to dealer's choice. Thanks. And I thought we were discussing this off in the office today. I thought what we could do. For this week's five star review, review is the warrior in the mirror Hogan thing. And please, please, Michael Hamlet, because I mean, it takes a bit of work. This give us the backstory to all this. It's a weird one, this because there was a time where, and WCW was guilty of a lot of these, where there would be certain moments in WCW's history where you would like, wrestling can never be this bad again. I would say we review something nearly as bad as Warrior in the Mirror once a week, and it's always on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Like, there have been far more egregious cases compared to how we used to be critical of Warrior in the Mirror. And, you know, we'll get to why it's so bad in your recap of it. But, like, a long story short, which the Ultimate Warrior didn't cut in his opening promo on Nitro, is that he's back in WCW um, because Hogan was coming out and saying, I've beaten everybody, I've done everything, there's nothing left for me to do. And Warrior said, nah, not true, not me. And everyone was pretty excited about that, you know. Um, 
It's maybe a hot take. I'm not sure. I don't think that Warrior promo is half as bad as people say. It goes on too long. You'll see WWE manufactured talking heads with Eric Bischoff and Hulk Hogan saying it was killing the show. It was probably killing their moment. It was killing their heat a little bit. But you watch it, Warrior's speaking like a human being. Um, eight years is hashtag LTST by today's standards because people wanted Drew versus Jinder on less meat than the two biggest stars of a era wrestling in front of 60,000 people in Canada. Far more juice in that fruit than the three-man band explode that we had at SummerSlam. <laughs> so Warrior and Hogan had appeal, genuinely. It was only when it was like, when the bell rang, you know, as it was, it was like, oh, Christ, these are eight years old and they were pretty old to begin with. So some of this was all right, and then it got really silly really quick. Warrior captured, had his own bat signal, had one Warrior Nation because it was NWO backwards, <laughs> and took Brutus Beefcake, then the Disciple, hostage, um, would appear with him on the in the rafters with the disciple with his back to Hogan with an OWN waistcoat on, and based on certain implications, which were also evident in the Warrior comic series, when he tied Santa up and <laughs> took his clothes, there was a there was a certain sexual energy to it as well of what might happen. <laughs> now he's got him, and it's Warrior, so he kind of talks in riddles. So it's like it's a sex thing. <laughs> it's like so naturally Hogan and Bischoff. Uh, Spending all three hours of the nitro looking for the disciple in case he's getting pegged by the warrior. What's your memory of it? Do you remember this <laughs> at the time or, or subsequent? My memory of this is WCW has just dated itself by eight years when the WWF has never felt more fresh. That was relevant. a problem. Yes, I will acknowledge that. That was an issue. Was What's a... going on in WWF at this time? Austin's on fire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Austin's on fire. The Undertaker and Kane being rubbish. But, re- but not dull. Like in the angle. The angle was hot. The angle, because uh, it's Austin. It's Austin. Getting them to take a Trying to bloody ruin it. Trying to ruin my attitude. <laughs> Rock and uh, Triple H underneath. Like the hottest thing. It's the hottest thing. It's the hottest thing. I'm telling teachers to suck my cack at school. <laughs> I'm doing the thing we mean and were talking about this. Um, across the desks. The real desks the other day. Yeah. When um, if you were a millennial wrestling fan of a certain age, Back in secondary school, high school, um, you do a little trick where you like try and get your mate. So the idea was like you're waiting around the class to start <laughs> and like got a hall pass. Got a hall pass. Hall monitor. Some stuff. <laughs> Some young stuff. Huh? And uh, you tap your mate in the gut and they'd go, Ugh! and then you try and stunner them and they'd go, ah! <laughs> and they were like, and like, they didn't want to get stunned. Getting stunned, well, yeah, it made you a bitch. Yeah. So if you got stunned like a bitch in front of the hot chicks, <laughs> then like you look, <laughs> you look like an asshole. So you'd you'd know that it's coming, the tap, and you're gonna get stunned. So you'd very awkwardly like jolt your head, jerk your head backwards. <laughs> and the best thing ever, even better than Tommy's bookmarks when you were in year eight, <laughs> was. <laughs> <laughs> You'd get your mate to, like, crack their head against the wall or a filing <laughs> cabinet or something because you'd, you'd just made just get stunned. Yeah. You just get stunned. <laughs> Choke slammed on the air. Uh, the field ones are really hurt. <laughs> but that's what WWF was doing to kids. Yeah. And then over on the other channel, it was like, oh, that lame stuff from 1990. Yeah, like willing uh, a non-uniform day to come around so he could, like, I had an Austin 316 shirt and hoping, like, a teacher would be like, what's at the back? So I'm like taking a piss out of the Bible. What are you going to do about it? Like where he think wrestling was still the warrior, basically. Like, <laughs> uh, 
Uh, yes, so uh, as, as Hamlet alluded to, uh, Hogan and Eric Bischoff, they're walking backstage. Uh, the commentators are talking about Hogan's empire crumbling. Uh, and Hogan's looking for Warrior in his change room. He goes, well, where's he at? And then he very specifically slams his hands on the desk and stares directly into the mirror, as we often do when you're looking for someone. Uh, and Warrior appears in this mirror. The lights come off. It's literally the last place you'd look for anybody else. <laughs> So, Warrior is there in the mirror. Even now, Hulk Hogan won't look in the mirror. We've heard how well fully those apologies go. Hogan sees him in the mirror and thinks, oh, he's behind me. So he just turns around to chin him. I just cocked fist. And uh, uh, Bischoff obviously can't see him. The commentators can, but Bischoff Bischoff is the only one who can't see Warrior. What's the matter with you, man? And uh, I can't. I don't. I don't know who this was. Bobby, you know. Yeah. One of them says, "He's in the wall," <laughs> and then he's in the wall, brother. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. That's of. where your head went. He's in the wall. He's in the mirror. There we go. Second time. There we go. <laughs> uh, and throughout this, Hogan is talking to Warrior and Bischoff's going, "Who are you talking to? <laughs> Terry? Terry? He's not there." Oh, look at him, brother. He's right there. Warrior, okay, brother. I know. He's, by the way, he's whispering this, so I, I've rewound this about ten times. I'm still not sure if I've got what he said right. I know the rules. I got the number. You and disciple, just play the game. I'm on the team. It's just bollocks. He's spouting, and Warrior, just, understandably, just starts laughing at him. <laughs> but you can sort of hear it. Also, you can hear it when Warrior disappears in a minute. But it doesn't matter anyway. <laughs> it's definitely not because he's in the other room and the door's open. Um, so, uh, Hogan's like, <laughs> real funny. Well, you think it's funny? Laugh all you want. And then he does this weird sort of like, <laughs> like, like he's trying to laugh back at Hogan, uh, Warrior. Uh, and he says something along the lines of, the last laugh is going to be, and then Warrior disappears. Again, you can still hear him laughing in the other room. And uh, But then Hogan... Then it gets even weirder, more confused. So Bischoff couldn't see him. The commentators could see him. We could see him. Hogan can see him. Now no one can see him except Hogan, who can still see him, who's like, look at him. He's right there, brother. But he's not anymore. He says, Warrior, I'm on to you. I know what to do with you, brother. And Bischoff just waves his hand in front of the camera like, okay, that's enough. Show's over. And they, is that the end of the of Nitro? That was I. That's how Nitro went off the air. That follow-up bit is so funny because it's just, at that point, like the, the message is supposed to be, Hogan's losing it. Uh, apart from a minute earlier when he was seeing a ghost in the mirror. Like, <laughs> up to that point, it was Eric Bischoff that was the only one that had problems in the world. Like, literally, if the whole human public and all the commentary team and everyone, and the fans in the crowd can see it, it's like, is Eric Bischoff okay? <laughs> like, why can't you see this guy in the mirror? And then for them to try and pivot so quickly to... It's getting in Hogan's head. It's like, you can't do those things no, within seconds of each it's other. It's so clunky, all this. Yeah, and now I'm thinking, the whole idea is, Warrior's trying to get in Hogan's head. Well, why would Edge take inspiration from this for his entire comeback run? <laughs> when it was rubbish. I'm in your head, Seth. I'm in your... Shut up, man. I hate him. I, I hate him. Warrior, I hate like, act. The, in the self-destruction video, like they might have had all them wrestlers. It was like... Carney money grabbing yes men for Vince like criticizing Warrior's promo. Warrior never ever said grit ever. He was talking about spaceships. You know, there's never, <laughs> never mentioned a grit was there. 
so we go to the comment section once once again. Warrior going out shaking the ropes and saying, I need this! I need this! <laughs> Give it to me! Give it to me! Uh, these do not reflect the views of myself, the daddy boys, or anyone at What Culture Wrestling, except this one from Stephen Ortiz, who says, What Culture sent me here? This made their number one most awful, awful spooky moment in wrestling history. Congrats, WCW. I feel like that list might need an update now. Yeah, I think the paedophilia is probably worse. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, paedophilia on WWE television in 2021 is probably worse. Uh, o. Williams writes, brilliant. Hogan was a great actor and an even better heel. He was a better heel than an actor. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, Corey Carruth, only a couple of months ago, writes, could you imagine this spot without the warrior in the mirror? Now that would be nuts AF. <laughs> that would have made sense. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it happened at the end. Before, <laughs> through. Uh, Jay Correa writes, the Undertaker and Randy Orton bathroom mirror scene from SmackDown was much, much better. Thoughts? I can't remember it. I liked the one where Undertaker possessed uh, the interviewer. Who was it? The guy that ended up in Impact. Oh, Josh Matthews. Josh Matthews, yeah. And he starts miming, and Undertaker's voice comes out of his body. And Randy, he's just like, <laughs> Dad, have you seen this? Let's get out of here. Isn't that one where he turns around and Cowboy Bob Orton just got blood coming out of his face as well? Yeah. Um, it wasn't Cowboy's real blood. That caused other problems. <laughs> Finally, uh, we get a comment here from Kamari Harrison. <laughs> I can only apologise here because uh, it's a it's a spelling mistake, and I've leapt all over it. Of course, uh, obviously, Warrior passed away. All the respects that necessary here, but Kamari Harrison decides to dedicate that by writing. WTF? Wario is dead? R.O.P. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> 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 there is a tone in the YouTube comments to when people find out people are dead as well, because often it'll be like, there'll be three exclamation marks and a lol or something. Yeah, it's yeah. like, they just misread it completely. Uh, but the Dominator 1307 gives Kamari the, the benefit of the doubt that they mean Warrior. So they've written, WGF Warrior is dead, R.O.P. and what the hell. And the Dominator says, this is from 98, dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, once again, happy birthday. <laughs> this is a current. He wasn't a real ghost then. He's a real ghost now. <laughs> Thanks once again to Sam Long for that. Happy, happy birthday, birthday, Sam. Happy birthday, birthday, Sam. Mate. You give me a gift. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, right. So Charlotte is marching through the back. She's furious about what went down earlier on. Uh, Sarah Schreiber tries to chat to her, but uh, Charlotte's not interested. And then she spies Charlie. sitting on an equipment <laughs> box. <laughs> She said she planned on destroying Bliss and Lily, and she throws the uh, doll into the trash. I sense that that's not the last we've seen of... There we go. I reckon it is. You're trying to get your money's worth. (laughs) Yeah, just in case. Um, Then we got the eight-man tag. It was the New Day, Xavier Woods and Kofi Kingston, uh, Mustafa Ali and Mansoor versus AJ Styles, almost... Wentz and Tumor, of course. And uh, Mansoor's having far too much of a good time as uh, the New Day make their entrance. Ali's not happy about this. 
And do you know what? I really quite enjoy watching T-Bar and Mace murder some dudes. They were really quite entertaining, just taking their heads off. Mansoor and Ali and the New Day, they just battered him. Uh, T-Bar uh, nailed Ali with a boot. They attacked all the baby faces. They took them out of ringside. Eventually, the faces start fighting back, though. Uh, Woods hit that, hits that brilliant tornado DDT through the ropes. Mansoor and Ali go through the ropes, dive onto uh, Mace and uh, T-Bar as well again, I think, actually, with dives here. Um... Styles gives uh, Kingston a fireman's carry neck breaker, but Ali breaks up the fall. They all sort of trade moves in amongst all this. Uh, Ali comes in, hits Styles with a tornado DDT, but Styles spills over to the heels corner and in comes Omos. And Ali's just not having any of this. The size difference is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, Omos knocks down Ali, gets rid of Woods, Kingston, and Mansoor, and hits the tree slam on Ali for the straightforward one, two, Three. What did you make of all this, Hamlet? Because I quite enjoyed it. Yeah, so I was ready when our, these wrestlers were coming out to completely recycle my take of the eight-man from Madison Square Garden. This idea that this will probably keep the fans entertained. It'll feel like everybody's having a good time at the job, and that'll come through the screen. I have to be kinder than that, because there was an element of that. But, and a, some of this is subjective, I guess, I think the man saw Mustafa Ali act. It's still working, still, which is great. I'm not sure how bouncing off these strange and one-dimensional Mason T-Bar characters, considering that's who they've mostly been programmed with. But it is. The fans are responding to it. The two wrestlers themselves seem to be getting more and more locked into their characters, which you don't see enough of in WWE because you can see what happens when guys get burned so many times that they lose faith in the process. It's like, well, I'm not going to commit to this because they're going to drop it in two weeks. That's not happening with these two, and that's nice. Um, And then, now, forever, I will be a sucker for a well-booked giant, and it's happening again. The responses that Omos has get this has become a, becoming a weekly occurrence. The, that response, that noise, that energy in the audience for the very little that Omos can do is exactly why you, why Vince McMahon still hires guys like that and they put him with a guy like AJ Styles and you just teach him three or four things and you book them properly and effectively, as for the most part they've done with Omos. Not too many missteps. I love watching it happen because that's what's supposed to happen when you have a guy like that. You're supposed to get the bare minimum from him and yet extract one of the biggest reactions of the night and it feels like we're like we're really on the right track i mean he's never going to be a singles guy mm. every time he's tried to do a singles match it has fallen apart in the most risible fashion imaginable and this actually might have represented a rare bit of thought and recovery because he just looked embarrassing against morrison was it last week or the other week mm. and now in a, multi- ago, in yeah. a multi-man context where you can just build the match around him being on the outside. Oh, he hasn't done anything yet. And he finally does something, and it's quite cool with a visual, and it looks unbelievably dominant, and the fans get behind this incredibly dominant champion because the back winners and the back people that can believe in, it works. And you get to tell stories around it. I genuinely, by raw standards, this was... Uh, by raw standards, this is almost elite stuff. By their standards. <laughs> Uh, Kevin Pat Kevin Patrick's backstage. Uh, he's trying to interview Bobby Lashley ahead of the world title match. Uh, MVP. Love that. Sorry, I love you. Thought I nearly didn't undermine undermine his entire profession there, but I can roll that back. Uh, he says Biggie's more of an annoyance than a distraction. Um, uh, and MVP said uh, that Randy Orton was going to join uh, Kofi Kingston, Drew McIntyre, and Goldberg as men who failed miserably to take on Lashley. 
Uh, and then Biggie popped up again. More breadcrumbs throughout this show of him just saying, I, I am going to cash in later, just to let you know. Uh, then we got Goldrab versus Eva Marie. <laughs> this went two minutes. It was dreadful throughout. And... <laughs> And it was just Eva Marie trying to wrestle Dewdrop and Dewdrop actually being able to wrestle uh, and just manhandling Eva Marie. At one point, though, Eva Marie uh, rakes Dewdrop's eyes, tries to schoolboy her, and Dewdrop just doesn't move. Uh, hits her with a senton, running crossbody. One, two, three. I mean, what on earth's going on here, Sige? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, like, Dewdrop could... Do good stuff against other people. One would think that this is the end of the Eve Marie Dudrap feud. Um, why, why didn't they do this the other week then? Why did they have the one where she just beat her up? There are hours to film. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's new for fun. What it is, they've got to do this twice so that you've got to watch two YouTube videos to check which one was the non-match and which one was the actual match. That's two extra clicks for the content factory, isn't it? That is WWE. The, yeah. All the thought that might have been exerted for that eight-man tag was completely <laughs> missing here. There was zero put into this. There's been zero put into pretty much all of this. Yeah. You're right about, like, it's probably worth mentioning a bit more about what we already know about uh, Viper or Piper Niven and not really Dewdrop is that she offers quite a lot and we're not really getting... So at the moment, she is a talent going to waste. That's the nice thing you can say, and it's nothing to do with the story. Mm. Uh, right, Sean O'Hare was backstage <laughs> cutting a promo. Sorry, Carrying Cross was backstage cutting a promo. Not telling us anything that we don't already know. Talked about victims hurting everyone here. There's going to be no one left. He's going to get everything he wants. He's not here to get lost in the shuffle hamlet. Everyone's going to fall and pray. I cannot wait for his debut. He's already debut. Oh, he lost to Jeff Hardy. <laughs> oh, sorry, right. Yeah, like the the backwards arrival of carrying cross continues, I guess. They, look, they can. Now it matters. Now whatever matters, and this is the result of it. WWE can absolutely get where they've got license to do whatever they want. But the other side of that is, is like, don't whinge at us when we don't give about your big moments because this is why. If you want to just get away with murder by debuting this guy, ruining him, and then trying to fix him again, like that's why nobody's going to respond to your big stuff because you abuse it to get away with stuff like this. Can't take him seriously because they've already killed him. Also, I thought they gave him all the, you know, quang gimmicks to make him a, a an asset that you can sell a toy around, correct? Something like that to give him some... Yeah. I was in a shop the other day and there was a carrying cross thing to buy. I mean, right next to Bray Wyatt and John Cena as a WrestleMania <laughs> pack thing. But So he's already there. He's already mm. a, a thing that you can buy. I mean, yes, he's just a generic ball guy with, you know, a mean-looking face. But, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like you say... I think Murray compared him to Hade Vanson when I came in this yeah. morning as well. He's, he's rubbish. His, his delivery is so woeful. And in its bid to make him seem like this intense man who can't suppress how much he wants to hurt people. Just, he's a clown. And a Disco Inferno should feel ashamed. The, the, the mere existence of the line as well is going to, through wrestling Twitter, there might be younger fans today or through Reddit or whatever, it's going to send people to those 2003 promos and create an entire new generation of fans that are angry that Sean O'Hare was misused and not pushed oh. properly by WWE. Like, and they're great. And the other upshot of that is, is people are like, God, these are good. Karen Cross is rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, gonna, yeah. Like, that's going to be the other outcome from this. 
Uh, right, main event time, or so we thought. Uh, it was Bobby Lashley <laughs> defending the WWE Championship <laughs> against Randy Orton. Nobody thought that. <laughs> they, they told you before and at the start of the broadcast, guys, stick around for three hours, get the rating up, there's going to be a title change. Well, there'll be a cash-in. I don't know if there was going to be a title change or not. Anyway, Lashley goes out for Orton. Uh, Orton... Uh, frustrates him initially, dive into the outside and what have you. Uh, eventually, uh, when they're fighting on the outside, Orton backdrops him onto the edge of the barricade and clotheslines him over the barricade into the timekeeper's area as we go to a break. Uh, after the break, we come back. Uh, Orton is superplexing Lashley off the top rope, uh, but Lashley recovers and drives Orton into the post. Uh, he goes for a, one of the big dominator spine buster things. Lashley Orton slips out of it. Clothesline punches in the corner. Power slam. Draping DDT sets up for the RKO. Uh, but Lashley pushes him off and hits a spear for a great near fall. They're str- struggling and battling back and forth as uh, Lashley's trying to put Orton in the hurt lock. Uh, and out of nowhere, Orton hits an RKO. But MVP helps Lashley just get to the apron, just get under the ropes, which... Uh, infuriates Orton, he can't make a cover, Riddle's there complaining to the referee, they're yelling at MVP, so uh, instead of him getting ejected, Orton goes, I'll take care of this, goes outside, RKO's MVP, but in doing this, he's allowed Lashley to recover, he spears him as soon as he gets back into the ring, one, two, three, Bobby Lashley retains the WWE Championship, quite surprising how much the crowd was behind Randy Orton on this one, Hamlet. Surprising, but, you know, I, th- I thought this was good. I genuinely thought this was good. I admired that they tried to craft a non-WWE-style WWE main event. What I mean by that is it wasn't just, like, crippled by the cliches that we get now. And I would point to... The big one for me is Drew McIntyre versus Roman Reigns from last year's Survivor Series. I could not get over the fact that you could see every point they were going to before it had happened. They didn't bother with any of that here. We didn't get lost in... Randy Orton's slowing the pace down. There wasn't this temptation to labour too long on a body part when neither of them are really those guys. That's not Bobby Lashley's style, and Randy Orton's boring when he does it. Mm. So they didn't fall into either of those traps. The stuff, the like the ascension, they, the ascent was like genuinely exciting. Like arriving upon that finish, it it felt built to. This was a clash of the titans main event that I imagine Vince McMahon was thoroughly pleased with because just for a second. It reminded him of something he used to be really good at promoting at like 20, 30 years ago. Um, and that's not to sort of do them down work rate-wise. Work rate, like not to do, this was well worked, but it just felt bigger than the mm. sum of its parts. A real enjoyable, big-time WWE Championship match, the likes of which we don't get enough of because they're completely up their own arse with the stuff that they think is big. This was way better than it had any right to be. Yeah, the, ide- was, the ideal sort of WWE Championship match that shouldn't be on pay-per-view, but should be on TV. Well, Hamlet's just taken the words out of my mouth. I was literally going to start with, this is way better than I had any right to be in terms of the work, the drama. And I was impressed by the fact that they allowed this or encouraged this or crafted this to be as good as it was because they didn't have to do it. It was pretext to the main event angle. Everyone knew what this match functioned to be. And they had such a good, shockingly good match that I almost forgot what the purpose of this match was. I bit on the near falls, but well before you'd expect them to come because you expected the finish that we got. Yes, it's really quite tremendous for what it was. Um, and again, it speaks to my vision for what WWE should be. WWE should be this. Not this half-hearted, 
soulless emulation of indie wrestling, which they are intent on shying away from, and in fact are in the process of shying away from, this is what they're good at. Do more of this. Do solid, well-told drama that isn't exhilarating, rather than this thing that you resent for being mm. exhilarating and dulling it and stripping of it its, of its very purpose. This was a quintessentially WWE match, and I was quite thrilled to watch it. Post-match then, uh, Lashley attacks Riddle, throws him into a post, slams Orton through an announcement, which actually makes sense, even if you're thinking, well, Big E's going to cash in, you probably should conserve your energy somewhat. Because if that snakes at ringside and he wants to get his own back and somehow the referee gets distracted, an RKO is going to put you down as it has done, you know, throughout this. So, yeah, he puts him through the table, but in doing so, slightly injures himself. Uh, he's selling the leg as Big E runs down with a referee in tow, hands over the briefcase. They announce the cashing is happening. The crowd pops huge, huge bap. Um, but Lashley's down in the corner. He's selling his leg, and they're talking about him potentially refusing, you know, being unable to compete sort of thing. Uh, as we come back from the break, nothing's changed. Uh, Lashley's stood up now, but he's refusing to de defend the title because of his leg injury. So Big E, babyface that he is, slaps the taste <laughs> out of Lashley's mouth, and Lashley tackles him. The bell rings. We get straight into the match. Lashley, because he's Bobby Lashley, is battering Big E, despite the fact that Big E is, you know, fresh and... and, and it's Big E, uh, but he recovers. He chop blocks uh, the injured leg of Bobby Lashley, goes for the big ending, but Lashley slips out and spears him. We get a near fall, which I thought, don't you dare, you bastard. So I've sort of bought on that as well. Big E fights back. Big E hoists Bobby Lashley up, hits the big ending. One, two, three. Big E is WWE champion. I shouted the house down when this happened this morning because I still, despite everything, despite him teasing it on social media, despite them announcing it on the show, I still couldn't bring myself to see it happening until it was there and he had the WWE Championship in his hands and he's no doubt going to go home and hump it and kiss it <laughs> and what have you. Uh, Kingston and Woods run down. They celebrate with him. They all hug. Biggie poses with the title belt as the show goes off the air and... For a split second, I think, maybe everything's going to be all right. It felt amazing because the only time things feel amazing in WWE now is when the wrestlers that you like have a nice day at their job. Yes. That's when WWE feels good, and this is theoretically the nicest day you can have in this job. Banged on about it loads last year because of the pandemic, and just like Bailey and Sasha's angle was keeping me on the hook, basically, with WWE. Trust the workers, not the process. This is more of that. Ultimately, love the New Day, love Big E. You know, we've said it. Countless times, especially since he's won the briefcase, there's nobody more deserving. I know WWE hate that term, and I know a lot of wrestlers don't like it, but there's nobody more deserving than Big E in that it's overdue, in that it's a guy that it shouldn't have taken this long, it's a failure of the company, blah, 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 blah. It was stunning. Like, this felt amazing to watch. Um, but I think, and I want to do this, because I love Big E, it's really important to, like, distinguish what the two feelings are. If you analyse this objectively, it's kind of weird that he came out as the heel, you know, that he, sorry, he was willing to attack a heel as a baby face. Mm -hmm. But I did like that they made a mini match out of it. This played with the anxiety that I think they did with uh, Dolph Ziggler and Alberto yeah. Del Rio and The Miz and Randy yeah. Orton. The mini matches are sometimes far better than the cash-ins um, because they're, suddenly they've kind of magicked a bit of a journey out of nowhere. What you thought was going to be this quick one, two, three, ring the bell. It's still a cool moment that somebody's holding a belt up. They've taken you on this extra ride that you didn't expect. And I was glad they did that here because I think Big E was a great guy to do that with because the fans were just up for the whole thing afterwards. 
just euphoric. Honestly, euphoric on his behalf. Love him. So pleased he's at the pinnacle of his profession. It's exactly where he deserves to be. I just want to. I, like, I hate this phrase normally. This is a different context. I just enjoyed it. You know, because this is the thing that I can enjoy about wrestling, not the way that these people tell stories. If you analyze this with any kind of critical thought whatsoever, it was terrible. It was terrible. Babyface cash-ins are the absolute worst. They radiate anti-babyface energy. It's cunning, sly, opportunistic. It's a bastard's trick. Maybe if I was being generous to the way this unfolded, Lashley's injured knee happened after the match. Mm. And Big E said he was going to do it. So there's a certain honor to telling people all night. But to a degree, still going in there against a weakened opponent. He didn't do John Cena against CM Punk and say, I'll fight you next week. That was the babyface move, isn't it? Yeah. On a fundum or the Rob Van Damme thing. Yeah. Or the thing that uh, Danny O'Brien said he was going to do before. (laughs) Not doing that. On a fundamental level, this was a heelish yeah. or heel adjacent thing to do. He wanted to cash in, not at the start of the night. No, Randy Orton, I'm going to take your place. You know, if I win the title, I defend it against you later. Blah, 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 blah. In two honorable matches. He took the shortcut to win. If you analyze it with any kind of critical thought, it was a bad way to book a baby face. But the magic is, and this is how universally well liked Big E is. No one wanted to analyze it with any critical thought because everyone enjoyed this completely well-earned euphoric moment because Biggie is so goddamn entertaining, charismatic, likable, should have been strapped up years and years and years ago. No one cared. I didn't care. No. I had a pedantic thing in my head because I had to to have formed these words. But I didn't care. Ultimately, the guy deserves it so much. Um, There's two ways to look at it subsequently. One the fact that people didn't care about the the heel cash-in adjacent stuff means that Big E is capable of, and in the past has, transcended rubbish material, maintained his level of popularity. He was in the old day segment, you know? People don't care about the trappings. People like the human being and the work. This will hold him in good stead ahead of his WWE title reign. So that's good, that's promising, that's encouraging. At the same time, can you imagine a competent company booking a guy like this? <laughs> like, can you imagine a competent company booking a guy this qualified for this role? It's bittersweet if you want it to be bittersweet. If you want to be fair, you probably should consider all of this bittersweet. The reality is WWE sucks, bro. This transcended how much WWE sucked. Big E deserves it. Yeah. you got to try and remember this feeling when next week Big E welcomes us to Monday Night Raw. you got to remember this feeling because these are the fleeting feelings with which a wrestling company should give you on the reg and WWE doesn't. You don't. You could just stop watching and watch the other channel and send a message. Well, I guess. But then I was going to say people listen to our podcast, but we get that all the time, don't we? That people listen to this, so they don't have to watch yeah. Raw. Maybe tune into this week's to watch that. And then, and then mm-hmm. switch back off. But yeah, if you want to still engage with WWE and everything, yes. you kind of got to remember this because, again, WWE are set up to not give you... Like, it's so weird how they set themselves up to not do this for people that when they do, someone like me, just speaking personally, like, oh, this is why I'm stuck with this for the rest of my life. Yeah. Because this is going to 
power my knackered old engine for another week or something like and then I'll have to wait another six months for a refuel because uh, I said this on social media genuinely couldn't have happened to a nicer guy yep. mm. uh, you know we've all had interactions with him here at what culture uh, which may skew our view slightly but like you say Sige whether or not you've, you've met him or chatted to him or whatever you've just he, he comes through the screen at you he's one of those few personalities that can do that he's universally liked my timeline on Twitter is mostly comprised of embittered, disenchanted WWE fans, everyone used to watch it who's in the wrestling Twitter bubble, who no longer watch it and quite enjoy burying it. They will, some of them are worse than me, the guys I follow, in terms of how scathing they are to certain shows, matches, performers. Like, they don't often, like, express their fondness for the characters and the people. If they are involved in something rubbish, they will go in two-footed mm. horror tackles. I don't think I've seen anyone do this with Biggie. No. He's the ultimate candidate for this job. No one has the heart to bury him or crack a joke at his expense because you know what a phenomenal human being he is. You know how talented he is. You know how deserving he is. He is the guy. He's been the guy for years. I'm delighted for him. And he may be the saviour in real life. No. Monday night. Well, <laughs> please let me get the sentence out. Uh, <laughs> you can, oh, just do the bullet point next week. Can Biggie save Monday night? <laughs> thank bro? you. Thank you. I will. I will. <laughs> I will, and indeed. Based on your current record, yes, he will, apparently. Like, yeah. <laughs> Never got a prediction wrong. You've will-borned it into existence. Yes, exactly. Um, but yeah, massive congratulations to Big E. Just, just, just so happy to see that. And, and as you alluded to, and you have, uh, both mentioned this, and, and we've seen it all over social media already, eyes are already turning to potential Reigns versus Big E, or even the Bloodline versus the New Day at Survivor Series, which... Along with brand warfare, mate. I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. a pretty damn good pay-per-view. I honestly think that six months so cool. That's a reason to put the tag belts. Who cares about the raw tag belts? Put them on the new day for that six month. That's cool. that's a that's a really fun match for the Survivor Series, mm. and nobody needs to care about Raw versus SmackDown, do they? No, let's be honest. Um, but yeah, it's just a fantastic ending to, to Monday Night Raw, and it's very rare that we get to say that. But let us know your thoughts uh, on Monday Night Raw and Biggie as WWE Champion on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Well, I say you can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflet at Michael Hamflet. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at M Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. As I said, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts, including our NXT preview. Ooh, later on today. <laughs> I'm really excited for that one. Um, but for now, this has been the Raw Review. My thanks to the Dadly Boys. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.